title. No offence, but I want to give you peace, is what I'm going to call this. I want to start by having a look in uh, in Matthew chapter 11, uh, starting in verse 1. It says, And it came to pass, when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Because John was anticipating the coming of Jesus Christ and the beginning of his ministry. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. So he told these messengers of John to go and uh, tell him the things they'd been witnessing. And it says, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the dead hear. The deaf hear, sorry. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Another translation is it says, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on the account of me. And um, we just heard James give his testimony, great testimony of um, of praying for somebody who uh, had a belief in God, yet um, maybe had not really ever experienced a miracle in their life, and they got an incredible, miraculous healing right there and then on the spot. And you'd think when uh, someone experiences something like that, every, anyone who witnessed that, you would think, would just be over the moon. But it's not always the case, is it? That some people, and maybe even we did, before, for those of us here who are in a relationship with God, that we've been born again, we might be able to think back to a time past where maybe when we first heard about healing or God's power, it wasn't something that we jumped for joy at, it was was an offence. And Jesus is saying, well, blessed is anyone who doesn't take offence at the account of things I'm able to do in a person's life. And where God's power and where his miracles are and where the gospel is preached, the full gospel, um, that's where Jesus Christ is. That's what the disciples, this is what these messengers were going back to tell John. Jesus knew that when they took that message back, the people are being healed, that the blindest, the blindest seeing, the dead are being raised to life, all these things that John would know. But with it would come, uh, a stumbling sometimes with it would come uh, an offence because it challenges the natural man. It challenges the natural thinking and uh, what we know and what we've been taught of uh, well, what's possible and what's not possible. And um, it challenges men's hearts as well and minds about, well, what does that mean for my life? If God is able to do these things, what does that mean for me? What, what, what's required of me now? And it can be confronting. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you want to turn there with me. Uh, Verse 9. It says, But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Saying our natural senses don't pick up, they're, they're, not the, uh, they're not the vehicle to pick up what God's able to do for those that, are, that, those that love him. It says, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. But the natural man 
receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Um, the translation of that word uh, in the in the Greek it means absurd. This means a uh, silliness, absurd to the point of offence. The things of God, and it says neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And God has decided, as we know, in His wisdom, to use the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. That's God's wisdom. And the flesh, our our natural instinct, our natural man, is uh, is often offended by God. And uh, again, we might be able to think of the time before we first heard the gospel, what kind of response we might have had when we first heard these things. And the natural mind, our natural thinking, uh, our natural programming is uh, it, the Bible talks about it being enmity. It's it's the it's the polar opposite of what God of what God sees. And, and God's mind. And um, there's an account that we might know of in Matthew 26 with Peter when he's with Jesus, before Jesus was betrayed. Peter said to him, though all men are offended because of you, he said, I won't be offended. And what happened with Peter? Even though he walked with Jesus, he'd seen Jesus work, he'd seen incredible things, he'd, he'd even walked on the water through faith, through Jesus Christ. And yet, when the time came, because all he had at that point was the natural, the Holy Ghost wasn't yet given, Peter became offended. That's the natural man. And you know, when someone's trying to build a belief or get somebody to believe something, um, the easiest way is to appeal to man's natural nature, to our natural nature, our natural instincts. You know, um, advertising does this all the time to apply, to try and appeal to our natural instincts. That's the easy way, that's the way to get a big customer base. Just go to what feels good, what feels right. But God isn't trying to get people or man or us to believe in just anything. He's trying and he's working with mankind, especially his people. He's wanting to reveal and to get mankind to know spiritual truth. So he's not looking to appeal to our natural senses. And this isn't instinctive to natural man, to, uh, you know, to, in our, in our normal state, just to, to automatically connect. There's something we know within us that searches, that looks before we're in a relationship with God, but it doesn't necessarily rub us the right way to begin with. And it seems like foolishness to us. But where a person is looking for the truth, they're really searching for the truth, um, I guess become open maybe to what they've learnt so far, what they've seen so far in life that it hasn't really satisfied in here maybe maybe someone's sick and they've tried everything and they've been told there's no answer there's no natural solution i'm sorry you just have to bear this um people get put in that position maybe there's something that's happened in a person's life where no matter what they've tried no matter what they've done there's there's no there's no hope or ongoing peace or comfort that is offered through natural solutions and and when that happens when sometimes when people hear the gospel there's a window that's opened. There's a window that opens up for the first time. And, and the Bible tells us that faith to believe in what God can do in our life, it comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As someone starts to tell us about the things recorded in, in the life of Jesus Christ and the things he did and the things that he's still doing in the lives of his people today, it starts to grow a seed of maybe this could happen in my life. Maybe God could do something for me. And um, there may be some of us here that that was the case for us. And um, But we might also recall 
at being totally offended by the person maybe that tried to tell us about the gospel. Maybe maybe we just didn't look like the way they looked. We didn't like the way they sounded. Um, I was just thinking of um, of Grant, actually. I remember Grant saying when Rhonda had her accident that the man that spoke uh, or gave you the phone call to say that Rhonda could be healed was a fellow that you didn't particularly think much of. But nonetheless, he was he, he, he didn't let that put him off. He rung and he spoke to them and, and Grant and Rhonda heard the gospel and came along and got born again. So... God's able to work past that. Um, in, I'm just going to quote this one. In Proverbs 18, verse 19, it says, A brother or, or a person offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. And um, we, we would normally look at this scripture and maybe apply it as a not wanting to offend one another. But some of us were offended hugely by the things of God. But God, through His wisdom and His power, He was able to work through those bars that we put up, and and that you know that that stronghold, maybe that that wall that we put up, this castle that we surrounded ourselves by, God was able to win us over. And when there's a time of need, as I said, and there's no other solution, a window can open in us. And I am um, I want to turn to Psalm 119, if you will, with me, and verse uh, 165. It's quite a large psalm, Psalm 119, but just verse 165. It reads, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. It's, a, it's an incredible statement. that For what the author is saying is that for people who... In, in David's time, uh, probably the author of this, in David's time, uh, in, in the Old Testament, people had a, a written law that God had given people to follow. But the Bible tells us in the New Testament, Testament, in the New Covenant era that we're in now, that the law of God or his, his teachings, his statutes and his principles are written on our heart through the Holy Ghost. And it's telling us that if we love everything that God stands for, and in his teaching that nothing will offend us, nothing will put us in a position where we end up totally distanced from God, where we place a, this this intentional void or gap between us, uh, between our Creator. And it doesn't mean that we'll never have something that comes up in life that uh, that uh, you know that that will offend us, that we'll, we'll get something, we'll get to a position where nothing will ever happen to us that we won't be offended by. It's not saying that at all. What it means is that if we have a love of, of everything that God is, his teachings, his statutes and his word and his commandments and his instructions about life, they'll equip us that we won't get offended to the point where we'll just want to separate ourselves from, from God. That's what he's talking about. Um, I want to have a look at another story in John chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 60, but um, a bit of background before we start reading there. Jesus had just just finished explaining to his disciples about communion symbolically, and he was talking about his flesh and about drinking his blood, and that if they didn't do this, they didn't eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, and he was talking symbolically, which maybe they didn't get at the time, that they would have no connection or no part in partaking in eternal life. And he was, 
and it was going to come through his sacrifice. And of course he wasn't talking that they literally needed to eat his flesh and drink his blood, but he was talking symbolically. And if just for a moment, if we think about for the people of Israel, for these Jewish people at the time, they had already been given a, a law that um, forbade any kind of human sacrifice, you know, for taking things of blood to, uh, to eat of human sacrifice, all this kind of thing. And in their mind, this would have been a really challenging concept. And here's Jesus Christ saying to them, look, unless you do this, you're not going to have any partaking in eternal life. So I want to pick it up in verse 60, and it just says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying, who can hear it? This is uh, who, who, can, who can take this on? And it says, When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does, does this offend you? What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except that were given unto him of my Father. And from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him, no, walked no more with him. And then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? And then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Where else are we going to go to get access to eternal life? We know it's solely through you. And, and it goes on to say, And we believe and, and are sure that thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. So we just see this account here where Jesus was teaching something that was a great offence. It challenged natural thinking or, or what their understanding was. I imagine if they'd hung around, well, then they would have been part of the day of Pentecost and they would have come to understand what Jesus was talking about. But they didn't get that far. They gave up beforehand. They just, this says, from that time they walked with him no more. That, that was the saying that put it to rest for them. And we want to be able to say, and whether, we, whether we're already in a relationship with God or maybe this is all very new to us, when it comes to the end of our natural life, whenever that day comes, whenever that is, we want to be able to say that uh, there was nothing that caused us to put a separation between us and God that we went, well, I won't even begin to walk with him, or if we already are walking with him, that we would go, I will walk with him no more from this time forward because of something that's hard to hear. There's lots of things that God... Um, puts in his instruction, in his word, that challenge our natural thinking, our natural understanding of things. Why? Because Not just because he wants to go out of his way to try and offend us or upset us, but because he wants to instill in us the mind of Christ, his thinking. And he wants access to the reins of our heart. He wants to steer us. He wants to shape us. He wants to guide us into, uh, into his, his ways and his thinking. And it says his word... There's, there's, there's no escaping it, you know. Um, it's, uh, there's so many accounts in the Bible when Jesus answered a particular question where there was people just kind of walked away. There's just nothing that could be said after it because it got right to the root of the matter. And the Word of God, it says, it's a, it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, and it's, it's something that you, uh, that none of us can kind of sidestep or dodge it. It's, it's the truth, and it, um, we get a choice whether we let God work on the reins of our heart and, and work with it and, and steer us 
and help us and mould us and allow us to overcome, or the natural side of us takes offence and we step back. And, um, you know, I, I guess we wouldn't uh, be human beings if we hadn't done that before, but uh, God, God is doing this because he cares for mankind, because he cares for people. And he wants to prepare them for, like Peter said, well, where else are we going to go? You are the son of God. And, uh, and, and God is making people aware of his plan that he's going to come back. Where else would we go? And there's only one good thing about that saying where they walked with him no more. And that is, there's a good principle there. And that is when there is something that is, um, that isn't spiritual, that is something that is offensive to God, then that's the time that we say to that thing, well, I'm not going to walk with that anymore. From that time on, I'm going to leave that alone. And from, from no more will I walk with that. There's a good principle there to leave things behind, to leave, to leave the things behind that, uh, that don't lead us into a, into a closer relationship with God. And I just want to turn to another passage. John, John chapter 15. I, I really want to read John chapter 16, but where the chapters are placed, is not necessarily how they were placed when this was originally written, and they kind of flow into one another. But um, we'll just start reading in John 15. It says uh, in verse 23, it says, He that hateth me, this is Jesus Christ speaking, hateth my father also. So he who, what it's really saying is, He who loves me less than his own will, than his own desires, well, he, he loves the Father less also. He hates the Father also. He said, If I had not done amaz- uh, among them the works which none other man did, then had, had not had, sorry, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law, they hated me without cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and he also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. Jesus is saying here, the works that I did among the people, maybe a bit like what James was talking about tonight, signs, wonders and miracles, miraculous things. He said, if, if I hadn't done those things amongst the people, then they might have had an excuse, but they saw what I did. And that they're without excuse. And he goes on to, in verse, chapter 16, verse 1, he goes on, Jesus, and he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that you should not be offended. I'm giving you forewarning here. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service. There's some strong persecution here. And these things they will do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. Jesus is having with this, this conversation with his disciples in the same way that he would have it with us today, for the purpose of understanding of when it comes to what other people think about us having a relationship to God, when it comes to what other people act, how people act to us or react to us having a relationship with God, it's not always going to be popular. And we know in some parts of our world, even today, people lose their lives because of making a stand for the gospel and for the truth. Um, but Jesus is saying, but don't be offended. Don't let even that put a distance between you and your creator. 
no matter what it is. Don't let it put a distance. And we do. We weigh up and we contemplate and we think. Um, either if we're thinking about entering into a relationship with God, if we're thinking about I might give God a go in my life, we weigh up. If we've been walking with God maybe for many years, even decades, we might be weighing up and all the time thinking what a it's a natural thing to do. What do other people think of what I'm doing? What are other people saying about what I'm doing? How are other people treating me because of my belief in God? And um, if I model my life on scriptural principles, what are other people going to say and think about me? We, we have these kinds of thoughts. And what Jesus is saying is, yeah, there'll be my power will be there, but there will be people that don't agree. But don't let it offend you. Don't let it separate you from God. He said, because I'm not going to make you do that on your own. I'm going to give you the comforter. I'm going to place my spirit inside of you, and that is the thing that will sustain you, that will sustain us to be able to keep walking, to be able to keep believing and hold, and keep holding on to the, to the things of God. Because he knew within us, in the natural side, we would not possess the capacity to do that. But he, that's why he came to give us his spirit. I just want to look at another, another little story. Um, actually, I'm just going to quote this one. There's a farming parable that Jesus gave in Matthew 13 and in other places. And he talked about soil and the conditions of different soil and how seed got put into it. And he said about a particular soil that there was this stony ground, and when the seed went into it, it couldn't get root. And what happened is the sun came, and the sun is very strong, pure light, and the sun packs a lot of heat. And because this seed, when it started to spring forward, had no root in the ground, it withered up and it died. And Jesus goes on to explain in Matthew 13, verse 21, he says, he talks about explaining what that parable was about. And he says, yet hath he not rooted himself, talking about a person and their relationship with God, but dureth for a while or endureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by he is offended. Because of, because of the word, because it is a discerner. Because when we, when we make a choice that we are going to follow the word of God, no matter what happens in our life, that causes opposition. And um, it causes offence sometimes by others, but what, what God is encouraging us in is that we are never offended, offended to the point where we distance ourselves from God. And why is it important that we don't become offended? I just want to... Uh, just got a couple of things to finish on. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2. It's all about our future. It's about now, but it's about our future, most importantly. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We read, it says, um, no, chapter 2, verse 13, I'm going to read from. It says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. This is um, Paul's writing this to the people, the saints back at that time at Thessalonica. He's saying, we're bound to give thanks to you, uh, for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God has from the beginning chosen you to salvation for his sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. When, when I think about a calling, you think about a roll call. And you, if you've ever, you know, maybe gone through school or you've gone somewhere and they call a roll and they call your name out, 
and you've got to go present. And, and what it's talking about is the, the, the saints that, that Paul's writing to here at Thessalonica, just like the opportunities here today and, and now, there's a, there's a calling, a roll call to be a partaker of the glory of Jesus Christ. Or when the Bible tells us that he's coming back to change the way this world is, that there will be a new government, there will be a new era that's not like what we live in now, and there's a calling to be part of that. And what he's saying is he gives, gives thanks for, for these people for, because it was, because the opportunity was given. It talks about them being chosen to salvation and all of mankind has the opportunity, chosen to have access to salvation. And it's up to us what we do with that. And it says, he goes on and he says, therefore brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word, or our epistle. He's saying, therefore, if this is, if this is the calling to be with, to be with Jesus Christ, hold on to the traditions of teaching. And we're not generally into traditions or being traditional, but the traditions of the gospel, of the truth, well, we do hold on to those. And it says, whether we learnt them by word, in other words, we heard someone else speak them, maybe here at a meeting through testimony, maybe we, um, we hear them in the spiritual gifts that we're about to have shortly, or whether whether it's through epistle or letter, the things that we're reading in the Word of God, it says hold on to them. And we're going to keep reading in verse 16, and it says, And now our Lord Jesus Christ himself, and God even our Father, which hath loved us, and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. God is able to give everlasting hope and, and consolation through his grace, through unmerited favour, something that you and I could never deserve. Nothing we ever do in this world could earn or deserve what, what God is calling people to, to be, to have our soul saved for eternity, to be with the Creator forever. There isn't anything we could ever do to have that, that bestowed upon us. And so one of the, the Verses I quoted earlier in Psalm 119, verse 65. Great peace have they that love thy law. We read, read about in verse 16 there about he's given us everlasting consolation and hope. That's, that's what God wants to give people. Although there's, there's some offense at God's teaching in the natural by others, but saying the reward of making that stand by us not becoming offended by attaching ourselves to God is there's his everlasting peace, everlasting consolation and everlasting hope. That's, that's the reward. That we will never be offended if, uh, if we love our relationship with the Lord. And it just says in verse 17, um, comfort your hearts and establish you. I like that. Establish you. I mean, in other words, establish yourself in every good word and work. That's the instruction. You know, we don't need to be offended at, at God or His teaching. We don't need to be. But we're able to be, we're able to be comforted as we apply it. And if it's new to us, we put it to the test. A bit like, again, we heard in testimony about um, James hearing Jed's testimony back all those decades ago about, oh, if it's true, I'll put it to the test to see what happens for me. The goal for my life, for your life, for all of mankind, even if they don't understand it, is to be at the final roll call when Jesus Christ comes back. To be there 
and one day end up with just a badge on us that says overcomer. A badge that says overcomer that despite our natural instincts, despite our genetics and the things we might have learnt from dad and mum and the behaviours we might have picked up through this world, God's able to place a spirit, his spirit inside of us that allows us to overcome the natural, the thing that offend, that, that is offended by God. We can overcome that. God says, greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. And the goal is that no matter what we need to endure in this world, that through the hardships and the struggles and things that we might face, they will draw us closer to God. They will bond us more with God. We'll have more faith and more confidence in what he's able to do in our life rather than distance us. And I'm going to finish just by reading again. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Amen.